You're listening to Minor Talk On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with Minor Talk by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. It's time for Minor Talk with Adrian Broaddus, Sal Montes, and Zay Galindo. Minor Talk is presented by the Oscar Arrieta Agency, Classic Elegance Coaches, the District Pub and Kitchen, Wind Supply El Paso, and New Start Homes. Call into the show at 915-505-609 or interact with the show at 600 ESPN El Paso on social media. Here's your host, Adrian Broaddus. Minor Talk is live. We're presented by the Oscar Arietta Agency. Check them out online, OscarArietaAgency.com. You know Oscar Arietta as the Hometown Hero Award sponsor every UTEP game. He is the official insurance agent of the UTEP Miners, and he is the proud sponsor here on Minor Talk as we get started. Well, UTEP basketball did what they were supposed to do, a big win against Western New Mexico, 90-62. to Not much to take away from this one, Sal. We pretty much prefaced this one after the loss uh, to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and so now the Miners uh, coming off this one against Western New Mexico. Uh, a resounding victory for them. No problem whatsoever. Uh, I think Alberto Reta is in the house, but I think he's talking to you instead. Uh, but uh, I just want to get things started here on the show. Uh, let's get things started. 915-505-6009. Sal, easy victory for the Miners. Not really much you could take away from this one other than uh, the Miners. I think you took more away from the practice. Like Joe Golden yeah, was talking about exactly. post game is... You know, these past couple days in practice, that's really where, uh, I guess, kind of the uh, differences they saw happen within the team. Yeah, and um, Joe Golding said it himself in the um, in the postgame where he said, I'm not, or pregame rather, he said, I, I'm not worried about or, or focused on Western New Mexico at all. I'm focused and concerned about our ball movement. Uh, so something along the sentiment of, of that. But yeah, that's, that's what you wanted to see was the focus on offense and acknowledging a, a big shortcoming, you know, for this Miners team, not only this year, but we've seen it with some of his teams, uh, you know, the first two years. Um, so to, to really harp on it this heavy, um, you know, shows how, how much he wants this offense to get better because publicly we didn't know anything about that last year or the year before but now it's like hey let's, let's get this thing going so i gotta give them credit however it is western new mexico don't get me wrong but you addressed what you needed to in practice for the uh, for the big game coming up yeah i think a lot of this will be uh repetitive from last time and i think this one will be a pretty short minor talk i think what we will do is talk a lot about we'll open up the phone lines if anybody wants to talk football 915-505-6009 for that uh we could definitely get into that conversation conversation and we can also talk more about basketball if you want to talk about that however I'm going to maintain exactly what I maintained against Texas A&M Corpus Christi you take that loss for what it was and that was a bad loss 67-63 last Wednesday you see how the Miners respond to adversity that's one of the things that uh, Joe Golding talked about in the postgame that he wanted to see how they responded after hitting that a little bit of adversity on the season really for the first time if you really think about it Sal and then on, on the same note when you really look at everything right there how will the miners respond after this one heading on the road against oregon that task right there Mm -hmm. seems tough right And, and you know what I don't really want to judge this basketball team based on the outcome against Oregon, a team that just beat uh, Michigan uh, in overtime 86-83 in a back-and-forth matchup. But I still want to see how they can compete against another Power 5 opponent. They beat Cal earlier this year. Uh, So the Miners, let's see how they come out in Eugene on the road. Tough uh, trip for them against a really, really good squad. Yeah, and I think the biggest um, takeaway that I'll, I'll get from that game will be were they able to maintain that focus and, um, you know, do what they needed to do offensively? Now, granted, I know they may not be all the way there yet. Don't don't get me wrong. But, you know, are they is there an improvement nonetheless? And I think that's what fans are really looking for. 915-505-6009 is the number to get into the program. You could uh, chime in on social media. Give us a, a post on Twitter. Also want to mention that we'll get to our hot hand of the game brought to you by Wind Supply L. 
Paso. And then our Timothy Cantrell player of the game, that's coming up as well here on Minor Talk. Well, Sal, uh, this one, you know, you could look at the highlights. Uh, I look at Zid Powell. He had 14.6 rebounds, three assists, looked good, 20 minutes of action. Sure, I expect that from him. I also like the performance from Otis Frazier III, the double-double, of course, uh, 11 points, 10 rebounds. And then you got to see a lot of other faces, like Garrett Levesque, who played a lot of minutes in this one. You got to see Sebastian Cole almost logged 20 minutes in this one. He buried a three-pointer, and he even contributed with a pair of assists. So, like the play from him. Got to see more of Derek Hamilton. Got to also see more of Elijah Jones. We were wondering if he was in the doghouse after uh, not playing a lot of minutes against uh, a team like Texas A&M Corpus Christi, yet he gets a chance to play in this one. What did you think of that, Sal? I, I thought that was uh that was cool. That was really huge, especially when um you know you have that that hometown connection. It was mentioned a lot, um you know by John and and Steve on the broadcast. So yeah, Donovan it, Black. It, That's it, right. And, and also too uh, to that point, I think it's it's a testament to the talent that consistently comes out of El Paso or the surrounding areas as well. Because um there's always that hey you know behind the scenes family members hey so and so is going to play at UTEP and they go and get the whole uh, the whole family out. So you, that's you, always a cool you, thing. You got to love that. Yeah. Yeah. Corey Camper Jr. played pretty well. Ten points. He also logged in. Uh, actually, he actually uh, scored on a pair of three pointers, which is big for him. So good stuff for Corey Camper Jr. And definitely uh, for the miners, you know, a win that everybody expected. It's not one that uh, we need. We need to break down a lot of different things. It's not one that we need to spend three hours on here on Miner Talk. It's not one that we even need to take any real big takeaways from. You want to look at this one as a a bridge between the Texas A&M Corpus Christi matchup and, of course, the matchup that they had uh, the, that they have coming up against Oregon. The one that I continue to circle is Abilene Christian and Sal. Yes. I got a chance to watch them this weekend. I was not impressed in their loss against Stephen F. Austin, seventy nine seventy four. And yeah, you want to talk about this team? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Tell me, convince me why this team is is uh, a formidable opponent. Sure. But when we're talking Sunday, December seventeenth, my expect for UTEP is to beat that team on the road. They cannot go into Abilene Christian, knowing that that's where Joe Golden came from as well. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of a, a moral uh, moral victory in itself, and you want to do it to boost morale around your club. Uh, that's one thing in itself, but you just got to get this win on the road. That's a game I continue to circle, and that's a game right before the West Star Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational, by the way. Yeah, it's um, it's a game that the Miners are, are going to learn a lot you know, about themselves. And the reason I say that is similar to UTEP. We've seen the highs, and you know we've seen the lows. So the fans for for the uh, for the Wildcats of ACU, they're saying the exact same thing. Hey, this team can be that team that beat Oklahoma State, or hey. We've seen the brutal stretch that they've been on. What are they going to be? So, um, really, two teams I think that are in a similar boat. I don't want to say the exact same boat. I think the Miners are better for sure, but. It is going to be a big one, especially when the Miners are coming off of a game like uh, the one against Oregon, because we saw what happened on the road uh, on the road trip. Yeah, you beat Cal, but when you lose a game and you lose it poorly, are you going to follow it up with another one? So, not saying they're going to lose like that to Oregon. I'm just saying that game can also dictate how they'll play that one too. Yeah, and they've got to come out uh, at least motivated and inspired and trying to win win that game on the road. I've liked this team in spurts when they play uh, groups that are better on paper than them. So let's see what they can do against Oregon come Saturday. That, that should be a really interesting matchup on the road against Oregon in Eugene. It's a 7 o'clock local tip-off, and it's on the Pac-12 network. By the way, Pac-12 network, uh, very inaccessible. So sorry for those out there even those who usually join us out at the District West, um, they don't even have that channel. The Pac-12 Network, um, yeah, it's just a, a tough one to get. Unless you have certain streaming channels uh, readily available to you, it's a tough one to get out there. So maybe plan accordingly if you want to watch some UTEP Oregon this weekend. All right, Sal, so let's get to the meat and potatoes of all this. And thanks to Bring Back Minor Rush who said the same thing. All right, good uh, good Minor, or easy win for UTEP basketball. Let's get to the meat and <laughs> potatoes of the day. And he yes. Says, indeed. He can't wait. Please, let's okay, do it. let's do it. Um, 
UTEP football. Hire Scotty Walden. He is their 27th head coach. And by the way, Sal, good timing for this. Uh, in fact, Scotty Walden just posted on social media, on uh, Twitter right now, that like his goodbye with Austin P. I'll read it to you. So then we could break this down. We could talk about the hire in total. We could talk about this whole weekend, which was a complete yeah. fiasco and carousel in itself. Okay, here we go. This is from, uh, this is from head coach Scotty Walden to Austin P. I write this today with a heavy heart. My family and I are embarking on a new journey that will take us from Clarksville and Austin P. Callie, Luca, and I cannot thank Montgomery County and Clarksville, Tennessee enough. You've welcomed us with open arms since day one and have been so great to my family. We love this town and the people in it. Thanks for supporting our efforts to develop a championship program on and off the field. My family and I are so appreciative of our players and their parents. This team inspired myself and my family every time we stepped on the field because of their heart. We are so proud of the players that helped us build the program to deliver championships on and off the field. Lastly, we are especially grateful to Gerald Harrison, Dr. Licardi, and our donor base for their unwavering belief and support. Austin P is special because of their special leadership that is in place. Thank you for believing in the vision of Austin P football, supporting our program, and for loving our family through the ups and downs. My heart is full with love and joy from our memories here at Austin P. We have made great relationships that will last a lifetime. Thank you for the amazing memories that my family and all of us will always have from Austin P in Clarksville, Tennessee. God bless and always let's go P. And that's coming from uh, new UTEP head coach Scotty Walden, who, by the way, was named and announced today um i'll take everybody through the weekend and and how i saw it and then sal you tell me how you saw everything uh unfold and then we'll get into the meet we'll actually talk about scotty walden himself a little bit more but let's talk about the weekend itself okay so going into friday there's all sorts of rumors about four finalists that are being named okay it's eric price the former offensive coordinator former nfl uh offensive analyst with the jacksonville jaguars you name it he was he was a part of these different organizations Plus, and on top of all of that, uh, he had, like I mentioned, spent some time here at UTEP in the past. Then he had Brennan Marion, UNLV offensive coordinator, coming off a Mountain West championship appearance in which they only scored 13 points offensively. It was a, like a 40 to 20 game uh, when it was all said and done. And I, I really didn't think UNLV uh, was as talented as Boise State, yet they tried to hang in there um, in that game. Second half got a little out of hand, but nonetheless, playing in the Mountain West championship game, and that's Brennan Marion, the offensive coordinator for UNLV. Scotty Walden, who popped up uh, late last week, and we were surprised to hear this name. When I first heard this name come uh, across, uh, I guess, kind of my mentions, I thought, no, I would be surprised if UTEP went this route. And then I, the more I dug into him, the more I realized, uh, wow, you know, this guy can build cultures. This guy has an identity. This guy already uh, calls his own offense, which is similar to Dana Dimmel, and a lot of minor fans will admit that, but he's young and innovative he's 34 years old he's energetic he's only the second youngest coach in fbs across the board uh second only to the arizona state uh head coach over there and then i I look at all these things i put it all together and i think to myself hmm interesting interesting name right there kenny perry was the other name that emerged over the weekend the texas tech associate head coach and known for what he could do in recruiting I'll say all of this to say that we had our finalists. We did our top, our rankings, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Sal, you and I had the exact same list. It was yeah. Marion number one. It was Walden number two. It was Perry three, and then it was Eric Price, Price four. four yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Zay Galindo, who's not here, he's uh, he's you know back at home, but he'll join us this weekend. He had the almost kind of the same list, but he had Marion one, and then he had uh, Walden actually three. He had Perry number two, and he had Price number four. The f- the the fifth name that emerged over the weekend was Zach Kitley. It was reported the Texas Tech offensive coordinator. He's somebody who is uh, known for what he could do with quarterbacks, but he's worked primarily with guys like Bailey Zappi through his time at Houston Baptist, then Western Kentucky, and then, of course, Zach Kitley most recently being at uh, Texas Tech as their offensive coordinator under Joey McGuire. So that's a name that we didn't think was going to be a finalist, but interviewed for the job when it was all said and done, which was real interesting in itself. All right, 
Saturday, I thought there was a little momentum for Perry. I thought he started to gain a little bit of steam. Then comes Sunday. Marion, the only one to interview on Sunday and the only one to do it in El Paso. Sal, at this point, Sunday evening, I was ready to start hitting the drafts on our 600 ESPN El Paso website and start drafting an article just in case Marion was named the head coach. I just thought it was him at that point on Sunday. Yeah, and um, the the one factor, um, I guess, in that argument that, that played the biggest in my mind was he actually came to El Paso. How many of these guys got to tour the facilities? Now, I get it. It's after the uh, the regular season. Guys are busy recruiting if they're not, you know, preparing for a, you know, for a bowl game uh, or potential bowl game at that moment, right? I was thinking, hey, this is huge. He's gotten to see the facilities, um, you know, once as a, as a coach, really, and then the second go-round, uh, you know, potentially here as a candidate. Now, I don't know if he toured the facilities or not. Yeah. These are just ideas. So, but um, you know, but that is exactly what went into my mind. Like he has, you know, UTEP right in front of him. So that that was something that I was really high on. Yeah, I would say this. Um, you, you know, it's interesting the tour of the facility side of it. Uh, I was doing some digging on this part of it, Sal, and from everything that I've heard, I don't think he actually did. But there's been a lot of conflicting things. How about this, Sal? You dipped your your toe a little bit into the sources said yeah. and sources this this weekend. What was that like? We were we were. Texting back and forth yeah. all weekend. I felt like I was on the phone like crazy all weekend it, long. It, it was back and forth. It's funny because I think we both kind of had, you know, similar, um, you know, anxiousness towards it. Like, hey, man, what do you know? Hey, what do you know? So um, it, it was uh, it was fun, really, you know, to to do a deep dive and do research, you know, send some messages, you know, reach out to people that, you know, that have ties to UTEP in one way or another. So that that was exciting. And I think the fun part was when I would tell you something that you didn't know and then you would yes. tell me something that, that uh, I didn't know. So that, yes. it, it was great, man. Tag so, yeah, it definitely was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to all our great contacts and sources that we'll never reveal. Never. And shout out to the fact that we didn't really uh, release a lot of this stuff. You know, we were we kept quiet on a lot of this stuff. We were asked to. Uh, we were, you know, maybe we had a chance to talk to some of the candidates. Maybe we had a chance to uh, talk to some people very close to some of the candidates. And uh, our, I guess, kind of our gift to those people was we weren't going to burn them. We were going to be as nice to them uh, as possible and as gracious as we could uh, for them just trusting us with this information. And I think we wanted to speak from a more educated perspective. That's the reason we didn't want to break any news. I mean, yeah. hey, look, if we wanted to break some news, sure, that would have been great. But we know how this business works. It's going exactly. to be a national guy. It's going to be early in the morning, and it's going to be confirmed first by somebody outside of UTEP versus inside UTEP. It's usually how these things kind of happen. So I was okay with that, but I wanted to speak about all this stuff in an educated manner. And I think that's what we can do right now uh, and start talking a little bit more about Scotty Walden here, Sal. Yeah, it's going to be fun looking down, you know, all of the accomplishments, um, you know, reeling it off. And um, I mean, even some some local ties, you know, Sol Ross State aside, obviously that's that's down the road in Alpine, the Big Bend area. But, you know, guys that he's recruited here in El Paso, um, you know, and, and even players uh, tweeting out at him as well. I mean, this is a guy who's um, who's really hip with uh, with the young guys. You know, it's weird. I feel old saying that he's hip with the young there guys. You go. But, I mean, uh, this guy's, uh, you know, he, he's got some got some swag to him. So, you know, looking forward to seeing how the preparation really for this football season, um, you know, is going to be done. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have asked me, like, what are my thoughts on this? What what what, what do you think? Is this a good hire? Is it, you know what? This is my second num- uh, option. So my number one option was Brendan Marion, and I maintain that. And the pe- there's people uh, who get paid a lot more than us here on this show um, to d- make these big decisions at UTEP, which then turn into multi-million dollar contracts. And so... They felt like Walden was the guy. The response was that his energy is off the charts. And and when I asked, hey, is it comparable to like a Joe Golding? They were like, no, I mean, better, <laughs> like more energetic, more intense, more just uh, out there. And he and and you know what? My I don't know if that's true. I would love to meet Scotty Walden here coming up on Wednesday and see what kind of vibe that he gives me. And I have a lot of questions for the coaching staff. I have a lot of questions for the direction. I think a lot. 
lot of those questions will be answered uh, by his initial press conference, and he's going to try to excite El Paso. But Sal, I think what would be helpful yeah. for us right now is to go back and forth on wish lists. Like, um, if you had to talk about the wish list and the priority number one, day one, if you're Scotty Walden or if you're on his advisory committee and you say, hey, on day one, you've got to do this. What does day one uh, look like for Scotty Walden at Utah? Um, so let me ask you this uh, before I answer. So he, he's going out in day one. Does he have help to multitask, or, um, or just you can only do focus on one thing? Let's do let's do one thing right now. We'll go back okay. and forth. That's why it'll be like a wish list, but we'll kind of go back and forth on this. So uh, you give me the number one priority right you, now. Recruiting, and that includes the transfer portal. Okay, right so let, let's talk about that. So number one, UTEP has zero recruits in the early recruiting class. The early recruiting uh, day where they actually announce your early recruiting signees is uh, December twentieth, sixteen days away. I said this earlier today. I'll say it again. And that's ra- it's rapidly approaching. That's basically uh, tomorrow. And UTEP, like you said, Sal, has to look at recruiting. Number one, I agree with that completely. Number one has to be Scotty. Sell me on Scotty Walden. Sell me on this program uh, for these different recruits out there. Whether you're a player that's on the team and has hit the portal, I think those players are very important to try and re-recruit. And I think recruiting also involves his current players. I mean, you look at their quarterback. Yeah. He's a grad transfer. He's not going to have another uh, year of eligibility, but um, you have a lot of other players across that roster. Could they join uh, Coach Walden here at UTEP and be transfers from the FCS level to the FBS level? How does he evaluate things like that? And then if it's not that route, which route does he take? Does he go the junior college route? Does he want to build this with high school guys? Does he prioritize Division One transfers and pretty much promises immediate playing time? What is the philosophy behind immediate recruiting which is desperately needed at UTEP football. Exactly. And um, not only that, but can you get guys who fit the system that you want to bring in right away? You know, fans don't want to see, you know, a two, three-year project to see that offense looking right. If you're an offensive-minded guy, they're going to expect yes. you to drop, you know, X amount of points early on. Now, let's be realistic. I understand there's some, some time that's needed to work on it, but it should look uh, somewhat coherent and um, cohesive between them all on the field, you know, early on in the year. Yeah, I would also say... This when it comes to UTEP and recruiting, Sal. If you put that number one, maybe recruiting the first thing and the first day looks like, hey, let's have a team meeting. Anybody who wants to come is welcome from this past team. Anybody who wants to air out frustrations, go ahead. But I'm going to tell you how it is. And if you want to be a part of it, great. If you don't want to be a part of it, well, uh, you, you know what? That's just not going to be the case of of you actually being here and stuff like that. So I wonder how this is all going to kind of go when it's all said and done and. Yeah, man, I, I want uh, it from their perspective, from the coaching perspective, I want them to prioritize also trying to re-recruit some of the players that are on this roster. I feel like they have a lot of talent. All right, Sal, n- number two on the wish list for UTEP football. What what goes in number two right after recruiting? Is it staff building? Is it just assemble your staff right away? Because I actually think I would prioritize recruiting ahead of building my staff. I think I'll build my staff over the next X weeks. But yeah. if you're telling me I'm taking over a program that is coming off a 3-9 and nine season and as uninspired as they were to close out the season, I want to know what kind of players are going to be in the mix. You know what? I got I to gotta go a different route. Okay. Because if, if you know, the rumors are true of the personality being the main reason why he got the job, now you got to sell the city and build that NIL fund. That would mm. be my number two. Oh, man. South the top rope, Put, but it's a great prioritization. Yeah, Let's go is. with number two, NIL. How important is that? It is. A, it could be the lifeblood. If we talk about recruiting being atop the priority charts, then you got to also emphasize NIL and how you get those recruits. So. Exactly. No, and it, you're absolutely right because there's a common saying, right? When when a place is. Um, used as a stepping stone. And we'll use this as an example, right? Coaches coming to UTEP to uh, to parlay that into a bigger gig. The common quote is, leave a place better than you found it. There you go. At, at yep. this point, and, and we just got to be real, doesn't matter how many games are won. If there's no NIL built, you really didn't do too much. You know what? In, in this day and age of college football. Think about it from this perspective. Yeah, yeah it's, it is sad because you look all across college football and everybody else has one and everybody else uh, here, uh, as far as UTEP fans, 
fans. All they want to do is compare themselves as UTEP fans to every other fan base. And hey, if NMSU has one, why doesn't UTEP have one? If New Mexico has one, why doesn't UTEP have one? That's the uh, questions from a lot of different fans out there. So in your order of priority, you might have number one recruiting. Go out, recruit the guys. Go ahead, Scotty Walden. You're going to make the big bucks. You go out. You uh, you have that energy early on and recruit the guys, whether they're on this current roster, on your previous roster, in the transfer portal, in the JUCO ranks, whatever it might be, that is so important. As far as NIL goes, yeah, I'm with that 100%. And in fact, I've heard behind the scenes, they're trying to put something together for NIL. How, um, how I guess, kind of what kind of substance that has, that's left to be a question. I think we could still start to question things like that. What's next for NIL? How can they establish a collective? And I'm not saying it's a difference maker for men's basketball, but it can be. I mean, think about it. Men's basketball has benefited off their own minor collective that they're using for NIL, and they probably even need more. I bet you, you know what? Absolutely. I bet you if if I if this Yeti was full of true serum right here, and I gave this to Joe Golding and asked him to sip on it real quick and give me the truth, give me the facts, and I asked him, hey, coach, if you all could use a little bit more in your NIL collective, how helpful would that be? He probably would tell you, yeah, it's it's extremely helpful. The more the merrier. The more resources that you can use and tap into for NIL, the better your recruiting goes. Those two kind of work hand in hand nowadays. And yeah, some people might shrug this off and say, how how long can you guys talk about this? How how? But we're gonna still uh, smash our hands on the table until things change and people understand how important this is until it actually yeah. happens because it's it's a priority. It has to be. You look across. Uh- uh, college athletics and a big reason why some of these um, these uh, G4 schools, if you want to put it that way, G4, G5, are able to get the talent that they get is because of their NIL deals. And, and I get it. Not every player out there is going to be money driven. However, if you're not going to have an NIL or have something to offer in terms of um, of funds to a player, your your talent pool extremely diminishes. You're going to yes. look for for diamonds in the rough and whatnot. But guess what? There's recruiters at just about every school that that keens in on diamonds in the rough as well. So uh, you're, you're at a severe disadvantage with that one. Look at a, a. I'll give another quick example. It didn't work out season wise, but roster wise, it was one of the best, the best in conference USA. Just think of Western Kentucky basketball mm. not too long ago. Didn't they have Demarion Sharp? They had a, a Mr. Kentucky or two Mr. Kentuckys on their roster. How about uh, Charles Bassey? Huh? They, was he on that squad? Uh, I don't think so. I think that was before. Maybe. Okay. I can't remember when NIL came into play, um, but it w- I know it was Sharp. He was the um, the center, the seven foot something guy, the, the really yeah, tall. Yeah, I remember one. Sharp. So, I, but the point is, you if you have an NIL, you have a better chance to have more talent on your roster. Yeah, that's bottom line. Now, one five five zero five six zero zero nine. If you'd like to weigh in, we got to Alberto in just a second here. He's in our studio as well. Uh, Sal, I want to go to number three. Is number three? Recruiting number uh, is that the third thing that he does? Uh, I'm sorry, not recruiting, but recruiting a staff, assemb- mm. assembling a staff, yeah. and having some uh, guys in place to start taking over uh, all the different position groups. Yeah, it, it has to be because at this point you're um, you're expending uh, so much energy, you know, on the on the road trying to get guys and also selling yourself on El Paso. Now get some guys behind you to uh, to help do the same thing. Okay, so let's talk the staff because. This part in itself is interesting. I was evaluating the Austin Peace coaching staff, and without having to do too much digging, you can just see these guys, unfortunately, don't have the experience, in my perspective, to make that jump from FCS to FBS. A lot of those guys on that coaching staff, and that's okay. I mean, hey, look, they're at the FCS level, they're they're doing what they're doing over there, and they're having success. Austin P's a winning program, so they're, what, position coaches for a winning program at the FCS level? Not a bad life. That's not what I'm, I'm not trying to knock these guys, but what I'm saying is, if Scotty Walden wants to bring anybody over, uh, the ones that I will accept and I'll be like, all right, that's probably the right move, is the offensive guys. I mean, you're talking about a top 15 offense uh, offense across FCS. You're talking about a top 10 scoring offense. They almost averaged 40 points a game that they were uh, putting up this past season in FCS. And you're talking about the bread and butter of Scotty Walden, which is his offense, high-powered, energetic, 
throwing all over the place and uh, you know just kind of going up and down. But with that being said, Sal, maybe my first reservations come uh, from this coaching staff uh, will be where do they hire defensively and and how do they prioritize that defensive coordinator role? We were I heard earlier on Sports Talk talking about hey could they retain guys on this current staff uh, like Bradley Dale Pivato? Maybe somebody like. Bradley Dale Pivato, but not necessarily Bradley Dale Pivato. You don't, in my opinion, when you need a culture change and when you need uh, a whole rebranding and reestablishing of your program, you don't retain anybody from that previous staff and you move forward with a whole new staff. That's kind of the bottom. That's how I look at this job and this hiring. Uh, if you got this job, Scotty Walden, it's up to you to assemble the right coaching staff that you can put in place and it's up to you to put that right defensive coordinator. We're talking all about how he can prioritize offense but defensively that has to be a priority for him no it definitely does um especially the pace that his offense plays at they get extra possessions but that only means you know more series that the uh, the defense has to be on the other side of the um or actually on the field for so i mean that you you got to give something to take something and vice versa. No, most definitely. Uh, we'll bring in our third member of our team, Alberto Retta, who is here in our studios. Alberto, you tell me your instant reactions when Scotty Walden was hired. What did you uh, really think about this hire when it was all said and done? Uh, I was really surprised. I really thought uh, Marion had a better chance, especially with him coming to the city. I really thought he was the guy. But just touching up on your your point about what's most important i was really thinking my number my most important thing for scotty walden is get the cash flowing both for nil and for everything else so you need donations in general i mean you know yeah your nil is next to nothing but so is like with this new hiring of the coach facilities got brought up and the state of the facilities and like how stuff hasn't been upgraded and like that that's not inherently false so like that to me is more important. Generating donations, generating this NIL deals to get, to get going, because that recruiting will fall in place if you don't. You don't have the money right now, for example, in my opinion, to retain guys that were in your city. You were saying, didn't you? You've been covering Deion Hankins, I believe, since you were since he was sixteen. Correct. And it's like we have not, as a city, we haven't been able to retain him. I count myself in that as we, but, but like the city, the, the fans yeah. of minors, the, the minor fans haven't donated enough money or offered enough money for any of these guys to be like oh maybe i'll stay and even money might not resolve this problem so that's what scares me the most like the facilities that that a lot of people are saying aren't aren't good i love every single facility at utep and i think they're great but a lot of people say well we need a lot of stuff to and, and you and we do when you compare the stuff that texas tech has texas has all these other schools in texas utep does not have these things so I think that that's what uh, Walden has to work towards, getting the money flowing in the city. The money's here. It's just about getting it flowing and getting it in the right place. Yeah, it's a good priority to have, number one. And I think how he does that is exciting people, getting his energy out there and stuff like that. Now, you touched on the facilities. I think, number one, if I had a, a wish list on the facility side of things, it's the dungeon that is that locker room. Just absolutely atrocious. It's an embarrassment when uh, Notre Dame's going to come here on December 29th and play and suit out in that locker room. I'm embarrassed for them uh, because th- that's just unacceptable. At any, any Division One FBS level, that locker room is unacceptable. And I- I'll stand on that. And I'll also say this. I hold UTEP to a high standard. Uh, do I understand that things are what they are for resources? Yes, of course. I've been covering this team since 2015 uh, for both men's basketball and football pretty regularly. But what I also can understand, and I can, I can see uh, from a realistic point is no maybe UTEP will not be to the Texas Tech standards or the Texas standards uh, ever at any point but can they be on the same level as other people across conference USA you'd hope for you'd hope for that because if not they're not going to ever all those fantasies about UTEP going to the uh, Mountain West all that kind of stuff forget about that you know what's so funny I I hear this to me inconsiderate but the most garbage stat, or one of the most garbage stats out there, and that's the uh, UTEP Leeds Conference USA in home attendance. But they have some of the very worst facilities in Conference USA. So 
that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, make that make sense. Make that make sense. Hey, Cesar Cubillos checks in. Uh, Adrian has gotten this song stuck in my head after reading that goodbye post from our new coach. He sent the monkeys the last train to uh, Clarksville. There you go. Good stuff, man. Uh, this is from Bring Back Minor Rush. Uh, good point about the kids who enter the portal. Would those kids be allowed at his team meeting? Hashtag minor talk. That's a great question. I don't know. There are some coaches who uh, have a philosophy. If you hit the portal, if you're not with us, you're against us. So I've heard that from other coaches, not here at UTEP, but I've heard that at other places. Now, at the same time, this is UTEP, and you have to understand mm. where they're coming from. And so UTEP might not necessarily have to or have or be in the position right where uh, they will have a what's it called? You know, oh, man. be in the place where they can actually say no and you turn these guys I- down. I don't like that at all. Okay, you don't like it? The reason I don't like that is because coaches are allowed to, you know, basically enter the professional transfer portal. Weren't there's going to be a lot of coordinators, a lot of head coaches that are going to be allowed to return to their university because the job they wanted was not offered because they didn't get it. So to say, if that's the case, administration should be, hey, once you submit a resume to another school, that's it. We're done. But that doesn't happen. So how come for a player, they can't you know, test the waters a bit and then decide to come back? Yeah, it's a really good question. 915-505-6009. I'm totally with you. It's hypocrisy, Sal. And I, I'm the kind of guy who sides with the players, knowing that the coaches themselves have a lot of power. So let's go back to the phones. Let's welcome on Ronnie for the first time tonight. 915-505-6009. Ronnie, good evening, man. What's happening? What's happening? Hey, uh, we finally have a UTEP football coach to talk about here on this show. What do you think about it? Yes, before I go into that, Sal, that's not how that works. When you're an assistant coach or you're a coach and you want a new job, you don't submit anything, my man. Your representation, your agent reaches out to who's running the search. Hey, tell that to Jerry Kill, right, who does not have representation, huh? Tell that to Jerry Kill, though. And guys kind of figure out there's a similar interest, and then you kind of – you kind of piggyback it from there or whatever. So you're you're with your job, you're with your team. Um, they kind of know, you know, your head coach AD kind of know what's going on, but you don't really do any of that yourself. You know, you kind of stay locked in just to clarify how that works or whatever. Okay, um, so, so so but, tell me, tell us what you, you think. Kill got with somebody to to reach out to Mario to make sure there was or, or one way or another they, Fair they have neutral mediator. Uh, this is the perfect hire for UTEP. I said it all along that the most important thing was to get someone. They had head coaching experience and had some success in, in, in that driver's seat. Um, I know that you and a lot of people wanted uh, Marion, and I'm sure he'll be a fantastic coach one day. But you have to understand what it is that UTEP is now and, and, and their window and what they need to become, you know, because you can't let Liberty just have a stranglehold on, on, on the league, right? You know, who has a, who has a seasoned um, head coach, you know, so you sure. have to – Look, look, you have to look around also. And here's another thing that you guys need to understand, too. When New Mexico State goes and takes kill and they win 10 games, you're, you're not in a situation where you can wait on a coordinator to kind of grow into a head coach. Like you have to get a head coach to success. You, you have no choice but to follow the blueprint that your neighbor up the road followed. You have no choice. Because if you don't and it doesn't work out, or the coordinator that you want, whatever, right? Just, just, just a multitude of things happen, and it doesn't happen. With this new conference, USA, with, with New Mexico State rising to the top, Liberty being at the top, you're just going to set yourself so far back so quickly, and you, you just you have no choice. You have to get a guy that had head coaching experience. I believe this was the right guy. His path was almost identical to Joe Golding. When you look at it, he takes a school that's, you know, transitioning or hasn't quite transitioned. They played some of the big boys. Um, you know, this season alone, they played at Tennessee. They scored 13. They held them to 30 points, you know, early in the season. You know, last year, two years ago, I think they played Bama. Um, now, they, they didn't do well in the game. But, hey, I mean, the fact that they played Bama and get those types of experience, I mean, and just to, to learn those reps as a coach and what it looks like and what it feels like, that's what you needed at UTEP, man. You didn't need to go and get another coordinator that was coming from Houston or wherever. Um, by the way, that's what they did with Damon Dimmel in Houston. They ain't been good in 40 years. I mean, the school's in the hood, and it, nobody cares about football in Houston. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, right? You couldn't follow the same formula that got you into the situation. You got to do something different. If you look at center, I, I, I always, I'm tough on center, but I want to give center some props. His last three coaching hires have all been good. Men's basketball, women's basketball, and, and men's football. I, mean, I think those are really three solid hires by – by center, I think he did a really good job. So, Jim, if you're listening, 
Uh, my hat's off to you. I think the fan base should be excited about this. If nothing else, they should at least give this guy the opportunity to 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 to, um, to prove that he wasn't the guy. They should at least walk him with open arms because all season long for the last few years, me and everybody else have just complained about Demo. And now that he's gone, you can't tear the new guy down before he even gets started. If you can't do anything, then just keep your mouth shut and at least welcome the guy. You know, you have to spend your money, but at least give the guy an opportunity because for two seasons, all we wanted was to get rid of Demo. Well, guess what? We did that at a price. We did that at a price. So now you have to at least give the new staff, the new individual, the opportunity to prove himself. You know, it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't cost you anything to just be to just be quiet and just sit back and see if it costs you absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's a really good point, Ronnie, and I appreciate the phone call, man. It's great to get your points on this because, you know what, I thought I saw it on social media initially when it was hired. There were some people, I think the response, and Adrian at Enemy Win 3 also commented on this, to your point, Ronnie. He was like, I know Scotty Walden was an unpopular pick with UTEP fans, but I hope fans give him a chance. I don't think so. I think the I think it was either split. I think maybe you could even say 60% or 70% popular with uh, fan base out there. Yeah, there's the 30% maybe a 35% of the fans who were a little bit confused they were they wanted Marion they wanted other guys uh, or whatever it may be they had their own uh, ideas how this one should have wrapped up but to all of those things I would just say this when Dana Dimmel was initially hired as UTEP's head coach a lot of people were initially bewildered by that hire they were wondering why why him what what happened there he didn't have any head coaching experience recently at the time and he had had a lot of success at Kansas State, but that finalist pool that UTEP had before, uh, when you know before Dana Dimmel was hired, maybe wasn't necessarily as good as it was right now. So yeah, I'm with Ronnie because all that fans wanted here on this show, forget two seasons ago, you can go three seasons ago when they were actually good and they had a winning season. Sal, we were on those shows. We we heard uh, after the New Mexico Bowl game, fans calling for Dana Dimmel's head. They did not want him as the coach after that loss. They felt like they peaked and they, they would not go any mm. further. So people had red flags even when they won and even when they had success. Well, so for almost three seasons now, fans have been complaining about the coach and wanting him out. And I think after that game, it wasn't necessarily just the bowl game. You, you look at what led up to it, and they'd been on a yes. – you know, really big downward spiral, you know, up to that point. That was kind of like the icing on the cake. And the frustrating part was they had a real shot in that game, but you got to see remnants, um, you know, in a couple of series that showed the the bad flashes of the minors. So I think it was basically just everything erupting into one. Yeah, and I think that that, all that, when you put it all together, you understand, hey, look, Jim Center had to be the guy and this athletic department had to be the group who uh, went out and they, you know, said that enough is enough they did not want to proceed they were going to work out the buyout whatever that ends up being and then move forward with a new coach and that's what they're doing here in Scotty Walden so uh, for Ronnie he says give him a chance you know at least for fans out there who might be skeptical who might have reservations understand this UTEP was in two uh, a month ago two months ago you asked the same question what fans would give for a new head coach fans would do a lot and they would be really fired up about it so there you go hey let's do this let's pause 10 seconds for station identification then we'll take a break as well when we come back we're going to do awards and we're going to start winding things down here on minor talk if you have scotty walden thoughts give us a call 915-505-6009 if you have a wish list you we we chimed in on like top three wishes that we want this program to do kind of on day one send it our way i think we're going to know a lot more about the coaching staff their priorities uh, by Wednesday and I think we'll have a lot of takeaways after that Uh, but before uh, we get to that let's continue here on Minor Talk. Uh, Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification then we'll uh, take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay with us as Minor Talk continues presented by the Oscar Arietta Agency Hot Hand of the Game brought to you by Win Supply El Paso and Player of the Game thanks to Timothy Cantrell coming up next on 600 ESPN El Paso. Streaming worldwide through the 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. 600 ESPN El Paso is KROD El Paso, a Town Square media station. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Minor 
Lake Talk continues, presented by the Oscar Arieta Agency. If you want to duck in a late call, give us a call. 915-505-6009. That's the telephone number. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter and 600 ESPN El Paso on our free mobile app. Adrian sends us our way. He sends a couple posts. All right, number one, a viable NIL collective it just isn't realistic here at UTEP. Demo proved that we can recruit talent through predominantly junior college. I'll say this. Mm, uh, to wow. say that the viable NIL collective isn't realistic, just look at men's basketball, man. They did it. UTEP football can do it too. Even if it was just a retention NIL collective uh, to keep guys to to stay at UTEP, I think that's realistic. I really do, and I and I'm saying this from I'm saying this as a thought, but I'm basing my thought on a lot of facts and a lot of the sources and people that I've talked with about their plans and what they want to do within this university. So I don't think they're too far off from this. I think it's not unrealistic, but I do think it will take time. And once it happens, it will help uh, out the football team in a big way. He follows it up by saying this, Adrian, your poll showed that Scotty uh, only got 10% of the vote. Hey man, I'm going to give you a lot of credit. Adrian at enemy win three you wanted uh scotty walden you want some props and i'll give it to you because he was your number one guy yeah fans said 10 percent of the vote sure which could indicate that he didn't he was not necessarily a popular choice but i would say that when he was initially announced it wasn't like fans were like wow here we go you know that kind of thing if you want to say that fans were a little underwhelmed by it Okay, sure. Let's talk uh, when, after Wednesday and see if fans change their mind after the press conference. I hear that uh, he will simply win you over based on what he could deliver in a press conference setting. So let's see how that goes on Wednesday. Uh, this coming in from Felipe Candelaria Jr. I say, why not? Maybe this coach will have a change of heart and maybe some of the players will have a change of heart and stay with the team after speaking to their new head coach. That's a good question. I mean, a good point right there. Maybe that's the case maybe some of them will have a change of heart when it's all said and done uh this coming in uh oh, i already read this one from caesar so good stuff caesar uh actually this one is a different one on basketball uh this is from caesar cubillos it felt like utep was taking on burgess high school i hope utep can gain momentum from the tournament in two weeks i love zid powell's swagger that dunk belongs on a basketball card see everyone on volleyball on wednesday hashtag minor talk Thanks, Caesar. Good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, that dunk was awesome. A posterized dunk by Zid Powell. That was uh, fantastic stuff. Let's uh, get out to Mike from Austin. I thought we were going to miss him tonight, but he ends up calling in. Game number nine, you're nine for nine, Mike. Uh, great to hear from you. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? I really don't have much to say that you all haven't covered, so we'll just, uh, especially on the basketball side, not a lot to, yeah. to learn from this game. But uh, football, so I'll just throw a question out at you all, and then I'll hang up and um, hear what you all have to say. Okay. Is there anybody from Austin Pay that uh, we should be interested in coach trying to to bring over? Um, I've heard some stuff about the quarterback. I've heard some stuff about their running back and a couple of, uh, I think, defensive backs. But just trying to – I don't know enough about him or his program to – to be able to give an opinion, so I was just uh, trying to throw something out at you. Yeah, good stuff. And, hey, I appreciate it, Mike. It's always great to hear from you, even if it's brief. So I appreciate you chiming in as always. Uh, let's talk first. Let's talk about roster, okay? Because you you brought up the quarterback, and that's the first position I looked up. Um, just because, you know, that's kind of your, your uh, staple of your program. So you always wanted to see what kind of quarterback they're going to bring in or what kind of guy that they have on their roster. Well, Austin P. by the way, it's P, not pay. It's P. They had a quarterback who was a graduate student. He does not have another year of eligibility he actually came from middle tennessee so he went from the fbs down to the fcs so he could get some more experience their defensive coordinator was jj clark uh he also coached safeties for them and like you heard from some of our i think it was ronnie who maybe mentioned it they like to play that aggressive style of defense uh they've forced a lot or they like to force turnovers and stuff like that jj clark is known for his experience 
as a defensive coordinator at the NIA, uh, NAIA level. Excuse me. He was promoted to the defensive coordinator this past year for Austin P. I don't expect them to go defense if they went anybody, but you could maybe look at Jared Kastner. Uh, he uh, Caster he is was their co-offensive coordinator, and in fact, he went to Houston. He was at Houston Christian when they did have Bailey Zappi on their team. So that's somebody who maybe they decide to bring over. He also uh, graduated from Texas Tech. He is a run game coordinator, so he specializes in the run. So if you want to look at somebody, maybe look at Jared Caster, who is their co-offensive coordinator and also coaches their offensive line. Now, another one is Lanier Sampson. He is another uh, co-offensive coordinator, and he is their wide receivers coach. He was their passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach last year. Then he was promoted to co-offensive coordinator this past year. He has been to places like Syracuse, which is interesting, under Dino Babers, uh, and also Central Florida. He also coached at McNeese State, Missouri State, Syracuse as well, and played professionally as an undrafted free agent for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, played collegiately at Baylor. So that could be a name, Sal, that you uh, see join him here at UTEP. Lanier Sampson, who is their co-offensive coordinator and does have that Power 5 experience at Syracuse, granted. Yeah. But maybe they look at his experience well, and think they could bring him over. Uh, you know what? That's a that's a really great point. And, you know, this being the first year really, um, you know, as, as a full-time, I don't want to say, you know, uh, his first time, but as a full-time head coach at the, um, you know, at the FBS level, so to speak, can have somebody who could kind of you know show you the ropes, and also too when he did it, that was around the uh, the COVID era, so that's it's not a regular normal college football season. So there's that. But good point. As far as uh, players go, I was looking up a couple of guys, and um, one of the um, one of the players just announced their uh, intent to hit the transfer portal, and that was uh, leading wide receiver Trey Shackleford. He's there you a go. And uh, looked up a couple of other guys, and uh, Sam Howard, a linebacker, he's a junior. He was their leading tackler, and they have Xavier Smith, the defensive back. He's a redshirt freshman. He was their third leading tackler as well. I'm sure there's other guys you know, to look down. I'm not saying those last two names that I mentioned are in the portal or not. I haven't looked it up, but uh, might be something to watch to see if, uh, you know, that move to uh, to the Sun City is there in the future. Yeah, good point. And I'm glad you highlighted a couple position groups. Wide receiver, linebacker, those are some names that you're finding in the portal right there. Uh, if you guys find any other ones, please let me know. We'd be happy to talk about those. Uh, I want to talk about two other things for the staffing side of it, okay? Number one, everybody wants to know, Will this staff recruit local? Well, they've established uh, a pipeline with some El Paso players here recently with Austin P. They actually had Hatib Lyles, who was uh, Dion Hankins' teammate out at Parkland. He was a graduate transfer, played his final year of college eligibility this past season for the Governors. He does not have another year of eligibility, but he would be a great grad transfer if that was if that actually worked out right. But you could also look at him recruiting. I'm talking about Scotty Walden currently recruiting some uh, El Paso like Evan Minhata is the quarterback out of Eastwood. So there you go. There's a little local connection right there. I'll also say this. Um, I like this, Sal. They had at Austin P, and I'd expect if Scotty Walden uh, pitched this to UTEP, they would they would have the position at UTEP. It's called a general manager, NFL, CFL, XFL, and USFL liaison. Okay, so they had this position. Buddy Odell had uh, this position out at Austin P. He had worked for three professional football teams like the Packers, Ravens, and the Salt Lake City Stallions as a equipment intern. He helped with defensive line. He was an equipment assistant, front office assistant, and worked in scouting groups as well. But this is a guy who serves as a liaison for players to try to get into the league or players to even have opportunities. Sal, this is, for me, a big priority for UTEP in the future. They only have four active uh, UTEP yeah. alumni in the NFL right now. There needs to be more players playing on Sundays. Yeah, and those connections, uh, you know, to be consistent and, and constant, not just really relying on on one guy, so to speak. I know that he would have that role, or he has that role where he's at now. I'm, I'm thinking too far ahead. No, he has that role now, but also, 
takes that responsibility off of, uh, you know, some of the coaches so they can, you know, game plan more and prepare for whoever it is they have coming up or to help develop their guys. So that's that's next level. I didn't think of that. They had a yeah. football data analyst. There you go. So they like their advanced analytics numbers. Uh, that guy probably spends a lot of time on pro football focus. They're a, an advanced group. They, li- they are a 2023 group. So that's something good. Uh, as far as recruiting coordinators go, they've got somebody who's John Lang. It was He was in his first season as a recruiting coordinator. I'm not sure if they would like to bring this guy with them, but I would say that when you talk about bringing staff over, maybe you look at the offense for Austin P, and that's where it starts and ends. If you want to go recruiting coordinator, go outside of that program. Find somebody who's recruiting uh, well and somebody who knows JUCO pipelines that you could tap into. If you need to bring in an NFL and professional football liaison, great. That would be a priority for me. I think that's a big thing for UTEP to try to do. Uh, and then on the on the last note, if they wanted to go out and get a data analyst, I think that would just show UTEP's committed into the 2023 era and the future era of football and how they prioritize advanced analytics and how maybe advanced analytics can actually help them out, sell game plan, and, and uh, be better in the long run. Well, it's the new age of uh, of sports, right? Not just in football, but pretty much every sport out there. There's there's an extra position. If we want to put, I guess, an idea or a parallel to it, it reminds me of like Moneyball. There you <laughs> right? go. I like it of that movie when they had you know the statistician, so to speak, come out and, and you know shape up what the team was going to do. So that that's where we're at now with so many new resources. Yeah, that's right, and that's how uh, basketball is seen nowadays too. So you even tap into basketball, and hey, we reference Ken Palm all the time, the advanced analytics of basketball. That's just where sports are nowadays. Joe Chacon on Twitter. Ain't nothing like a late Monday night minor talk. I'm hoping Austin P. Coach uh, Scotty Waldron is going. Uh, Walden is going to do with the football program that Billy Gillespie did with the basketball team. Worst to first. Let's go. Hashtag repping from Colorado now. Hashtag tweet streak every game. Nice. Hashtag Sal is my pal. There you go. Brock is my OG. I, I forgot going. to read that. There we go. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, hey, let, as we start winding things down, guys, let's go over to some awards here, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, and then we'll get some final thoughts ahead of uh, Oregon. That's obviously the big game that everybody's looking to. Uh, for the player of the game, this is brought to you by Timothy Cantrell. Big shout-out to him, uh, one of the top realtors you're going to find here in West El Paso. Sal, let's give it to Otis Frazier third. He had 11 points, 10 boards, and he's played great basketball over the last couple weeks. 21 minutes tonight for Otis Frazier scoring and grabbing boards including seven on the offensive side let's go Otis Frazier as the player of the game and that's uh, brought to you by Timothy Cantrell in fact uh, Timothy Cantrell if you're looking to buy or sell your home uh, he is your trusted real estate agent with over 20 years of experience he's got a vast knowledge unwavering dedication and valuable resources he's here to make your real estate dreams come true Timothy Cantrell selling the dream one property at a time you can follow him on Instagram at Timothy Realtor for the latest listings and tips and check him out and give him a call 915-204-8441 via call or text 915-204-8441. Uh, that is Timothy Cantrell, our sponsor of the Player of the Game Award. Next up, it's our hot hand of the game. This is brought to you by Wind Supply El Paso. Wind Supply El Paso, by the way, it's starting to get cool. They've got champion furnaces. If you want to locate your nearest champion furnace, go online, find a dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com. They always bring us the hot hand of the game, whether it's UTEP football or UTEP men's basketball. And in this one, let's go Zid Pal. It's 14 points, six boards, and in this one, uh, zero turnovers for Zid Powell. A hot hand, and he did not um, cough up any turnovers in this one in 20 minutes of action. Zid Powell getting the hot hand of the game. Turning the page, it's Oregon, Saturday night, 7 o'clock in Eugene. Oregon has wins this year over Georgia, Montana, Tennessee State, Florida A&M, and Michigan. They have two losses this year, one to Santa Clara and one to Alabama. How close is UTEP to Alabama? Come on. No. Not not uh, not close at all. But how close are they to Santa Clara? That's a good question. They probably are uh, maybe on par with that group. Maybe not right there, but maybe a little bit closer. And I'd say this for UTEP. 
If do they have a chance this weekend? Yes, because their defense can travel and their defense can play great. But they're going to need to play their best game uh, that we've seen all season long. And I think the upside for this team is there. But I they also are coming off three straight losses. Tonight's game, yeah, it's a get right game. But how how valid is it? Is to be left uh, to be kind of questioned. I, I want to know how they respond yeah. against Abilene Christian, and that's where we can really assess more on this team. Sal, you give me your thoughts heading into Oregon on Saturday. Uh, I want to see them take good care of the ball and uh, be fluid on offense. Now, I'm not going in there, uh, or I'm not expecting them to go in there and you know drop 80, drop 90, but I don't want to see them look shaken up on offense. I want to see them have an answer for whenever um, Oregon's able to make some adjustments or, or tip some passes how are they going to respond if, if you know the offense is disrupted a bit is that going to distract you from your original game plan or you know just disrupt your entire flow you know of the entire game so that's what I want to see yeah good good point uh, Alberto let's go to you what do you want to see from this team on Saturday against Oregon uh, I don't want to see the ball stick as much as it's been sticking sometimes and also just intensity play to the end yeah you're not expected to win but go in there compete till the end I don't want to see anything many bad looks I don't want to see anything that I'm like man I didn't like how that looked or I don't like how he I don't want to do any of that this early especially in the season so that's what I want to see just intensity take care of the ball like Sal said and just play hard till the end good stuff uh let me ask you this Alberto give me the latest or give me the preview UTEP Clemson it's coming up Wednesday and it's a big matchup that everybody should be excited about yeah, huge matchup. It's uh, arguably, I'd say, the biggest uh, UTEP athletics event this year. I, I I can't think of another one that's any bigger. Interesting. Good yeah. uh, good one. I think that's pretty valid. I, yeah. I can't think of any other ones either. Right? It's just like postseason ball, winner takes it all, and, we, and the community has an opportunity to go in there and make themselves extremely felt, right? You can fill it up with 3,000 plus, get really loud when they're serving and everything. So it's a unique opportunity to to watch some good postseason volleyball and hopefully see the girls uh, succeed. Yeah, let's see what happens. I'm excited. Clemson's coming to town. NVIC is the uh, tournament, and the Miners playing some postseason volleyball action coming up Wednesday at Memorial Gym. Hey, that's going to do it for us here on Miner Talk. Appreciate everybody chiming in. Appreciate everybody's thoughts on uh, the coach or on everything else when it comes to basketball. If you've missed any of Miner Talk, check us out on demand, 600 ESPN El Paso podcasts, and also check us out online at 600 ESPN El Paso.com. For Sal Montes, for Alberto Reta, I'm Adrian Brada saying so long and thanks for listening to Minor Talk, brought to you by the Oscar Idea at the Agency. More coming up this weekend here on 600 ESPN El Paso.